And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. What's up, hustlers? This is Andrew Morgans, your host for today's episode here on Startup Hustle, founder of Marknology. Uh, before we get started, let's give a shout out to our sponsor, Fullscale.io, for everything in this episode today and the production. Super excited to be here. Today's guest, Sean Aid. Sean, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Uh, happy to be here. Yeah, no problem. We got connected through a, a mutual close friend um, and colleague of mine in one of my, uh, you know, my entrepreneurial endeavors, AKC Co. Properties, which is, um, you know, real estate here in Kansas City. So investing in Airbnbs, uh, property management, the works. Um, I know David came from uh south dakota is that where he was a lineman do you remember i that sounds right i know he was playing football somewhere out there um but when i had met david he was already living in kansas city but i I think you're right okay yeah so uh it's just funny how you know you we both meet somebody and like kind of where they come from and you know how you get connected but um mutual friend david helping us in uh helping me he's he helps with my accounting in some ways Uh, he's all over the place but um, I'm glad I'm glad he brought us together and he talks about, you know, kind of what you're doing um, w- with your business and all the time, you know, in an excited way. And I've just been excited to uh, get this chance to kind of meet you, how you made a lot, how you made the, the leap, um, you know, and kind of the pivots that have happened this year during COVID. And so, you know, before we get started with all of that and my questions, because I have a lot of them, uh, let's get a little of your background. You know, where are you, where are you based right now? Um, you know, and what kind of brought you up to, you know, purchasing this business? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, living in Portland, Oregon right now, coming up on about three years, I moved here in uh, the summer of 2018. Um, before that born and raised in the Northeast, you know, lived in New York, Connecticut, Philly. Um, so kind of all over the, the East coast. Um, but after being in Philly for, you know, about six years, I just, I needed something new. Um, so I kind of just took the leap and moved out to Portland without ever having visited before. didn't really know anything about the city except the Trailblazers played out here. Um, just figured, you know, I was 24 at the time. Let's just try something new. If I hate it, I'm just going to move back to Philly. Uh, but came out here and, and fell in love with it. Um, I was in sales at the time, you know, out of college, started at Enterprise Rent-A-Car. So I was okay. working at, you know, working the grind. Um, didn't really love it at all, but, you know, they definitely teach you, you know, some really good work ethic and, and train you well. Um, from there, moved to a, a sales role um, down in Center City, Philadelphia, which was really fun. You know, right outside of the the Liberty Bell, so it was in a great spot in Philly doing inside sales. Um, I was the youngest one in the company at the time. They hired me at 22 years old, and uh, my first year at the company, I was the number one inside sales rep at about 70 ish inside sales reps. So moved through that pretty quickly, um, yeah. and then. After, you know, a year of doing that, I told him, hey, I want to be an outside sales rep. And uh, that's how I got moved out to Portland. Um, I was the only one in the company that was willing to just relocate and uh, just packed up and moved, uh, you know, across the country to uh, to take on an outside sales role. 
And um, that was awesome at the time, you know, covered Alaska, covered Oregon, covered uh, Boise, Idaho. So I was getting to do a ton of traveling, um, you know, creating your own schedule. You know, that was really the first taste of being an entrepreneur because as an outside sales rep, you um, you don't really have the, the structure of being in the office every day. You can start work when you want and work when you want, but you're also working weekends, nights, mornings, all that. Um, and when I moved out to Portland, I actually got connected with some really awesome people out here, uh, some really high net worth individuals that are really involved in real estate. So that's how I kind of got into real estate, um, started getting connected and volunteering at mastermind groups, which is how I met David. Uh, we had both volunteered at a mastermind group called GoBundance, where we got to be around uh, basically a bunch of uh, extremely successful real estate investors. Um, so they mm-hmm. would say, you know, you're net worth is your network. So we were just hanging around people that are smarter and better than we were. And, and that's how all of this really kind of uh, somersaulted into me buying a business. It all started with me moving out to Portland and getting connected with the right people and kind of changing my mindset around what I wanted to do and, and how I wanted to be doing it. You are who you hang with, uh, you know, cliche is a cliche for a reason, but um, you know, it's so true and something, um, you know, I talk to my business partner, um, in AKC Co all the time, you know, it's just like, you know, um, you know, what you focus on expands and like, you know, where you put your attention in the, in the, you know, are you getting positivity? Are you getting negativity? Are you getting the, like, you know, take the leap? Are you getting the, all the 18 reasons why not? Um, you know, but I, I also think like the entrepreneur, um, some people are born with work ethic. Some people are taught it. Some people are, you know, I, I don't believe that everyone has the same, ambition in the world uh some of you know some people are just born with it and some you know cultivate it and it can be that you finally find a hero in your life or a mentor in your life or um you know it's that first time that you you, like i want to be like him or i want to be like her and then it comes you know um but something i've been talking about i'm in costa rica right now i'm actually visiting a manufacturer that we're launching on amazon in the us um and having a little bit of fun while i'm down here um but you know it's on this trip we've just been talking about like i feel like people either like have this hunger to be better at whatever job they're doing to excel or they don't you know it's either like they have it or they don't and you talked about the job at enterprise and i think you went maybe just a little bit too fast for me on on the next job that you got in sales what were you selling exactly yeah so i was in the um the promotional products industry um it's it's an industry not a lot of people know about but everyone has experienced it basically i was a wholesale distributor for blank apparel. So I'd be selling, um, you know, t-shirts, polos, jackets, and clips of, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 100,000, you know, shirts at a time. Uh, so we'd sell that to a screen printer. They would, you know, decorate it. So if you had a Marknology, you know, polo or shirt, I would sell it blank to a decorator. They would put your logo on it and then they would sell it to you. Um, so I was on the back end of that. I know quite a bit about that industry, actually. Um, from I own an apparel company called Landlocked. Uh, oh, cool. A little shameless, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> but you know, when e- in the e-commerce space, like when Printful and Teespring and those kind of came out, which are essentially connecting the person sourcing the materials to the printer, right? And then you're getting the you can get the items. Um, as, you know, there's a couple companies here in KC that did. Um, they started with like pens and stickers and mm-hmm. mugs and moved into wine actually so you know um they were they kind of started in that business and then they just moved into like you know being able to private label if you want to call that or custom make items at scale has really um taken a turn so i like i've definitely followed the space i've used it have um bought stuff probably from a rep like yourself 
Um, but I can see why as everyone starts creating brands and e-commerce and as well as all the big businesses getting polos that save technology, like, you know, that's a growing space. Um, but like enterprise, you were talking about like, you know, one of the things you took from them, why it was a grind and probably not that sexy was like being in house where they're dictating your schedule was order, 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 order. Um, you know, this is how, when a customer comes in, go push, you know, go talk to them, push them like this, you know, and it gets you to be, I was a bartender. Um, and I worked in retail t-shirt sales as well, where the management was very much like upsell. You have to talk to them each mm -hmm. customer at least three or four times in their language. So when I was in Hawaii, it was like, I did, had to greet them in Korean or Japanese. We had to learn these phrases and stuff. Um, but it was those companies that set me up, I think, to be an entrepreneur and, um, you know, run my own schedule and still have that work ethic. I think a lot of people, if we just gave them their own work schedule and no structure would just fall apart. Um, so it's not every single person that's like that, but you got that kind of taste of freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, and also like, oh my God, I can get paid, um, based on how much I sell. Like, you know, so then it's like, well, I'm not ready to be done for the day. I can, yeah, I'm going to put in two more hours. I'm going to put in three more hours, put in four more hours. Um, when you start getting paid based on your work ethic and then also, um, you know, simple things like taking a two hour lunch, if you want one, because you feel mm -hmm. like it making that time up later, it's like this taste of freedom. That's kind of like insatiable. And I remember my first time was as the e-commerce manager and I got to work from home one day a week. And I just remember what that was like. Now the COVID, now COVID everyone has worked from home, but like back then it was like, oh my God, you can control your environment. You don't have these coworkers that bring you down, for example, or like there's nothing that I can literally control my, my intake in my environment and look at what I can produce uh, you know, when I'm able to control that and really just like be around other winners if I want to be. Uh, so I didn't mean to take that over, but like, I just think um, it's interesting to understand like kind of some of those shitty jobs, some of those like ones we don't look back on with like, you know, Adelaide's, you know, it's, it was the shitty bartending job. It was the security job here or whatever. Um, shape us into being entrepreneurs, you know? So, so you went from sales, let's catch back up. So you went from sales, um, to you're you're hanging around these guys that are really in you know investing in real estate did you make a real estate move first or did you purchase this business yeah so i um the the real estate is actually a really interesting story so i came out to portland um and actually at one of my you know events where i was hosting for the promo industry i met some guy who tried to get me into um pyramid uh, what's it called pyramid scheme and he was trying to sell me on it but one of the best things he did is he gave me the book cash flow quadrant and he said i want you to read this book and then let's meet up and you know we can we'll talk about the book uh and then also the little pyramid scheme um but cash flow quadrant was the first taste i had of that so that's where i started seeing owner investor employee self-employed and the the wheel started spinning there um after that, went to one of those weekend, you know, Robert Kiyosaki boot camps where all they tried to do is sell you on that $25,000, you know, uh, coaching program. But I learned about wholesaling. So I just start cold calling people. Like, I'm like, I'm a wholesaler. I'm just going to start doing this. I had no problem picking up the phone and calling people. So I just start calling. And I'd been in Portland for maybe a month. So I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and I, I finally called this one guy out of the blue. And he's like, look, you clearly have no idea what you're doing. You need to educate yourself before you start calling people. 
go to this event called Rare Bird. It's a networking event here in Portland. It's the biggest one. Just go there, start talking to people and educate yourself before you start making these calls. So I looked up Rare Bird. There happened to be an event two days later. So I go to that event and I don't like big groups of people. I'm really, you know, a, a one-on-one small group type of person. Uh, I don't, I'm not very comfortable in huge groups, especially when I don't know anyone. So I get to this event. There's probably a hundred people there. I don't know a single person. I don't know anything about real estate. Um, and I see this guy sitting by himself. So I'm like, I'm just gonna go talk to this guy. Uh, so I sit down, start talking to him. That leads me to start talking to this girl. And I had never actually spoken to either of those two again, but this girl I start talking to, she had just bought in a triplex. So I'm picking her brain about that. And then this guy walks over who's friends with this girl. And this guy's name is Neil. Uh, Neil starts talking to me. I start telling him about how I just pick up, picked up and moved from Philly to Portland, kind of hoping a prayer that things would be better. Um, he gets really interested in my story. I'm still not really sure what I said that made him so interested, but I followed up with him a few days later. Um, and that conversation, you know, changed what the rest of my life would look like because this guy kind of took me under his wing and, and started helping me out. So he was a real estate agent. He encouraged me to go get my real estate license. He liked my story in sales. He liked my, you know, I guess my ambition of just moving across the country. So he helped me, you know, pursue the real estate license, but he also helped me find and analyze my first property. So he helped me buy my first duplex. Um, so I bought a duplex in December of 2018, five months after moving out to Portland. And that duplex, uh, I was going to house hack, you know, so live in one unit, rent the other mm-hmm. unit. And um, four months into having that duplex, I hired a contractor to help me out. And man, I did everything wrong on this one looking back, but hired a contractor and had a trip to Alaska for the promo industry. So I'm in Alaska and I get a call from this contractor a week into uh, doing the rehab and he had broken an angle valve on the toilet, didn't know where the, um, the water heater was. So he didn't know how to turn off the water and didn't have the tools to use the emergency valve on the outside of the street. Now, like I said, I'm in Alaska, so there's nothing I can do. I'm a noob at, I don't know anything about real estate at this point. So I'm like, you got to figure this out. I don't know what you want me to do. I'm in Alaska. I hired you. You're the professional. You know, if the water's leaking in my house, you got to stop this. Um, So it took over an hour to get the emergency water services to my house. And this was on the third story. So the water flooded the entire duplex top to bottom. Uh, My tenants- Oh my God. Man, it was insane. My tenants were in the lower unit eating dinner. Water starts dripping out of their ceiling, um, flooded their entire unit. They had to- uh, evacuate the unit. Um, everything, literally everything in the house got ripped up. Uh, and it was a nightmare. I get back from, from Alaska and I was supposed to be coming back to a brand new remodeled house. I was ready to move in in a few days. Um, and my house is, is gutted. Everything was gutted. Uh, I could see the bare bones of the house and, you know, that's when everyone, you know, all the people were like, told you you shouldn't have bought a house. You're too young to buy a house. Like you shouldn't have done this. This is why you rent. So all those, you know, conversations start coming up, but being around, you know, some of these real estate investors, they start telling me to look on the bright side of things. Like, you know, insurance is going to handle this. Like the contractor was insured, you know, it's not going to be that bad. Um, but at the time, man, it was the most stressful six months of my life. I'm asking myself, what am I doing? Should I have done this? Was this the right move? Um, but you know, I mean, fast forward six months after going through the rehab, um, I now have a fully remodeled duplex, top to bottom, new plumbing, new ceilings, new walls, new everything. Um, the only thing that didn't get replaced in my duplex was uh, the bathtub upstairs, but like everything else is brand new. So um, 
it actually worked out really well on the back end. You know, my insurance went after this guy, the contractor's insurance, it all went onto his uh, insurance policy. So I didn't get hit at all with anything. Um, and it, it ended up working out really well, but that did leave a pretty rough taste in my mouth for a few months. It definitely, um, you know, made me question what I was doing, but um, tried to get back on the horse. And, and that's when I ended up getting my real estate license. And I started trying to juggle being a real estate agent as well as working that W2 job. Um, and uh, Portland's just kind of a tough market to buy in. You know, there's a lot of really successful real estate investors out here, really expensive market, and we have extremely low uh, supply. So, you know, the, with inflation and the demand, you know, prices are kind of just through the roof. Um, so now that's why I'm actually looking in Kansas city with David to be buying, uh, some properties with, with David as a partner. And, um, you know, we're going to just be looking for more cash flow properties out in, uh, in Kansas city. So I have the one duplex, uh, haven't bought in anything else just yet, but then, um, fast forward, you know, about 18 months, that's when I ended up buying, uh, Roosevelt's terrariums in September of, uh, 2020. Okay, so let's pause there. Um, have you seen the movie? I think it's like with Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan, maybe like Money Pit or like, uh, okay, so it is a story. It's something close to that if you have to look it up, but it's a funny story kind of based on your duplex. Like they buy this house and uh, the house just like the water in the second floor, just like, you know, has a big, it's essentially like they try to buy this dream house. Um, at the end, you know, they fall in love and learn all these lessons or whatever, but it's mm -hmm. like, it's about real estate and kind of making those bad moves. Um, that comes to mind. It's funny because, uh, it, it's almost like I'm 34. I learn lessons every single year, every month, every week, it seems like, you know, but I still forget every single time that it's like every good lesson comes like with a cost, you know? So you're either like, you're either learning exactly what not to do with the contractor, or maybe you're learning not to do it on your own with limited knowledge, or maybe you're learning the importance of insurance, right? Uh, or maybe you're learning like, you know, the difference in working with a contractor that's insured and licensed versus like getting the cheap, you know, there's so many lessons and all of that. And it just always seems like when we're in the thick of it, um, it's brutal. And it's like, you know, you're just like, oh my God, did I make the right decision? Should I quit should I just like pull my money and you know make a different move like um because sales to me almost like sales and long-term investment are contradicting mm -hmm. in a lot of ways if you're a salesman you're in this mindset that's like go for the kill make the sale on to the next one you know it's a matter of the numbers like if I hit 100 people like 10 of them are going to take my call you know it's numbers 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 and then like investment in real estate uh, or even like an e-commerce business or a brick and mortar business is long game. Right. And it's uh, it's like I'm doing all these things to plan for the future. And so to me, like just being as someone that does sales in my business and I invest, um, I think that those trains of thought can be hard to balance, you know, if you're in both modes. Um but anyway, I just think, you know, it's like you learned a, a valuable lesson. It still came out as a win, but it seems like all of those lessons are difficult. And the next one will be, you'll learn another lesson. It'll be difficult. You'll feel the same, same way. Like it doesn't ever just hit that. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm actually in the middle of learning something right now. It's always just like brutal, but welcome out to Kansas city. You're going to love it. Um, you know, I've actually been investing in real estate maybe now three years Mm -hmm. Um, and I haven't regretted, um, you know, a single move. So you, you picked a good partner with David. So tell me when Roosevelt's terrariums, yeah. uh, you know, how that came into the picture, 
Um, it's a huge, I, I, my technology is in the e-commerce space. Like real estate is, is something I dabble in and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm building a business there, but it's slow and my expertise is limited. E-commerce is my obsession. Um, businesses are going, you know, um, if you can find a business for sale, like, you know, good luck. Like, um, you know, it's, it's hot, it's hot. Right. So, um, when did like e-commerce or like thinking like, I want to take this leap into a brick and mortar business, specifically plants, uh, like how did that happen? Yeah. Um, so I mean, real estate's definitely my, I'm obsessed with, I'm, I'm always going to be looking to buy real estate, but, um, like I had mentioned kind of being, uh, volunteering at these, uh, mastermind groups, um, in March ish of 2020, when everything kind of started to hit the fan and everyone was starting to get locked down. Um, I had luckily been able to be a part of this Facebook group for go abundance since I had gotten to volunteer there. And these are all extremely successful investors, you know, million dollar plus net worth. Some guys have hundred million dollar net worth. So I'm getting to be in the room where uh, I'm the dumbest guy in the room and I'm just a sponge absorbing everything. And all of these guys are sitting there like, all right, guys, we're, we're about to be in a recession. You know, the whole country shut down. What's the opportunity here? Um, so, you know, everyone always talks about investing when there's, um, you know, a downturn, because that's when a lot of your money is really made. It's hard to make money when you're in extra innings of, a, you know, one of the most successful um, economies in the world. You know, we are 10 plus years into a booming economy. So there had to be a dip somewhere. So we finally started to see that dip. We're saying, what's the opportunity? And we're looking around and small businesses are closing left and right. So if you can go back to 2008, uh, it was a real estate crash. 2009, 10, 11 were real estate boom. So if you invested in real estate in 2009 and 10, you're probably doing pretty well right now. So these guys are sitting there saying, hey, we're in a small business crash right now. Um, that means it's, it's an opportunity to buy small businesses. So I'm getting to hear all these guys' thought processes kind of on the forefront of what's going on. Everyone's still panicking and they're sitting there like, all right, where can we take advantage of this opportunity? So I completely shifted my mindset in about April from let's not look at real estate, let's look at small businesses. And at first it was, it was the things that you kind of hear everyone talk about. Let's look at HVAC, let's look at plumbing, electric, landscape, some of those jobs that are always going to be around and can't be replaced by AI. Um, and I was looking at that at first, I was really trying to educate myself on that, but the end of the day, I don't know anything about HVAC. I don't know anything about electrical. I would have hated doing that. Um, so I, I just was for probably the first three months, just educating myself, just listening to these conversations, talking to guys, picking their brains about what I can do. Um, and I was furloughed from my, from my W2 job and at my house, you know, in my, my normal house, I had probably 60 or 70 house plants at the time. Like my brother is a, is a plant guy. My mom's a plant lady, you know, it just kind of always had plants growing up. I never really liked them until I got a little bit older, but once I bought a house, uh, it actually comes down to me just being lazy. I didn't want to hang art on the walls. I didn't want to put holes in the walls. So I was like, I'm just going to decorate my house with plants. Uh, so that's what I started doing. I just started acquiring a ton of plants, you know, getting them from Facebook groups for free and getting clippings here and cuttings there. Um, so it was like the middle of the summer, I'm telling myself for months, I'm going to buy a small business. I'm going to buy a small business. And it was in probably like July where I was repotting some plants. I was on furlough and I was like, you know what? This would be a fun business to buy. Why don't I just go buy a, a plant store? You know, I could do this for 80 hours a week. I could hustle. And I, you know, this is not going to be too stressful for me. Um, so I'm really big on journaling every morning. So I, you know, I was writing in my journal. I want to buy a plant store in Portland that's owned by a baby boomer that's closing because of COVID. Like that's exactly what I was writing every single morning. And um, turns out 
in the middle of COVID, uh, plant businesses were actually doing really well. Everyone's sitting at right. home. Uh, they realized their house doesn't have a lot of decoration. So the plant industry was actually booming. Like there was a plant shortage on a lot of types of plants because everyone's at home. So it was actually mm -hmm. way harder than I thought it was going to be. So I'm looking around and I'm not finding anything, you know, I'm, on, I'm going on to biz buy sell, which is like the MLS for businesses. I'm, I'm calling up brokers. I'm talking to people. I'm doing what I thought I should be doing. And I couldn't find anything. And, um, you know, I finally find this one business. Uh, I go visit it. I talk to the guy, get the financials and I'm all pumped. And I call one of these guys, um, you know, from GoBundance, kind of like a mentor of mine. This guy named Nigel. And I say, hey, Nigel, found a business. Like he told me to call him anytime to analyze it with him. He'll help me. So I call him and I'm all excited. And man, within 30 seconds, Nigel's like, you're not buying this business. And like basically just hangs up on me. You know, basically he looked at the numbers, saw there was no profit to be made and just told me nope and hung up. And that really kind of, you know, uh, brought me back a little bit. That kind of burst my bubble because I was all, you know, excited about this. I was already turning on, you know, plans of what I can do with it. So then I had to take a step back and I'm like, all right, biz buy sell is not working. Brokers aren't working. Let me use kind of some real estate strategies that I had learned and let me just start, you know, going off of my, uh, you know, relationships. So I had mentioned earlier, I was buying plants from a Facebook group. Um, so I just typed up this nice, genuine message in this Facebook group said, Hey guys, my name's Sean. I'm, I'm 26. I live in Portland. I love plants. Um, if anyone knows of a small business, you know, preferably a plant business that's locally owned here in Portland and it's closing because of COVID. If you guys can connect me with the owner, I would love to see if I could try to keep the store open. Um, and I was, honestly, at first I was hit with a lot of negative feedback. A lot of people were like, that's just you being entitled. Why do you think you could buy someone else's business? You know, a lot of kind of negative feedback at first from people that didn't really understand. I was just trying to keep a business open. And finally someone reaches out and they're like, Hey, Roosevelt's terrariums just announced they're closing today. Um, so that was on the Facebook group. I find the guy's phone number. I cold call him and I just say basically the same thing. Hey, you know, my name's Sean. I saw your closing. Uh, would you be interested in selling me your store instead of closing? And he was like, yeah, I'd love to, but I've already announced to the apartment that I'm closing. They've already given me a two week notice. So if you're going to buy this store, you have to do it in the next 10 days. Um, so I was like, okay, great. Send me your financials. That's all I knew what to ask for. I didn't know anything else, but send me your financials. So he sent me his, his P and L he sent me his balance sheet. And, um, I called Nigel. I'm like, Hey, got another one. And this time within 30 seconds, Nigel's like, not only are you buying this business, but I'm going to help you buy it. And I'm going to partner with you on it. So I'm like, great, this is awesome. Like this is, this is best case scenario. Uh, not only am I going to buy a business, but I'm going to get basically, I'm buying a mentor through this too, by giving up equity in the, in the business to have not only a mentor, but kind of a safety net to make sure I'm not going to do anything wrong. Um, it was the best thing, you know, I could have done, you know, a lot of people would say, why would you give up equity for this? But I'd rather have, you know, 51% of a million dollar business than 0% of nothing or a hundred percent of nothing. Um, so originally this is where it gets awesome. You know, originally the guy wanted like $700,000 with 90% bank financing, 10% carry, and he needed us to close in, in two weeks. Um, so Nigel gets on the phone and it was the best negotiation I've ever heard. I wish I had recorded it so I could listen to it again and kind of learn from it. But Basically, Nigel was able to negotiate for us to get down from almost, you know, six some, and some change down to $300,000 purchase price, 100% owner financing with 10K down and a seven-year AM schedule with a 36-month balloon payment. So I, I still have no idea how he was able to do this so well. Still, like, I, I think back on it. I'm like, I can't wait till I have that negotiation skill. But 
um, you know, we were able to get a business that was valued in 2019 at $1.4, $1.5 million for $10,000 down in a $300,000 purchase price because wow. of COVID. And, you know, I mentioned I was journaling. I want to buy a business from a baby boomer that's closing because of COVID. This man was 70 years old. He had started the business six years ago. Uh, and the reason he was closing is because his family wasn't comfortable with him having people in his store because of uh, because of his, his health, health. And, and his age. So it was to the T exactly what I had been journaling for the past few months. Uh, and it was easier for me to buy this business than it was for me to buy my house. Um, it was such a smooth yep. process. We didn't have a single hiccup along the way. And literally within two weeks, we were at the bank down the road signing uh, all the documents and getting everything notarized. Uh, and, you know, 15 days later, I was running the store, learning what to do. Um, and why Nigel loved the business so much is not because there's such a high profit margin on each sale and there's so much net earnings, but it was because there was a blue ocean in e-commerce. Uh, this owner had done 100% of his sales uh, in the store here. So through selling planted terrariums and teaching terrarium building classes, he had never once had an e-commerce site. He had never once shipped anything or done anything virtually. So we knew we had a wide open market to start sending uh, terrariums, you know, selling them online, teaching online classes and just expanding our, our virtual presence. Um, so that's exactly what our focus was. We knew what our, our target was for in-store in sales, but we knew we had a completely blue ocean for virtual sales. Um, and that's where the focus has been ever since I took over. So I've, I've just been learning how to, how to sell online and, you know, build an e-commerce platform ever since. So I really do have, I really have two businesses. I have the in-store business and the online business now. I love it. Um, I, I wouldn't think of it as two businesses so much. I think of it as, um, you know, branches of the same business. I would say one thing, like I've built Marknology. Um, we turned seven in August. Um, and our focus has been Amazon, selling on the Amazon marketplace, like, you know, helping brands move to Amazon, helping brands get profitable on Amazon, helping brands dominate Amazon. We're an Amazon brand accelerator. It's been important for me to understand how business um, brick and mortars tie in, how their distribution channels work, how their um, you know social media and their web works. Um, some people look at Amazon as a separate arm. Some people look at web as a separate arm. Some people look at social. I look at them all as part of the same thing, um, kind of like arms and legs. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, you can be, for example, um, you know, you can be selling to the customer in store and tell them how important it is for the Google review or to get on Amazon and buy, uh, you know, that it could be helpful and leave a review. So you can do so many things. Like, I don't want to take too much time. You can do so many things in-house in the brick and mortar to help your e-commerce. And your e-commerce mm -hmm. can then say, hey, for everyone in this area, you know, uh, if you're targeting correctly, like, you know, here's the, for anyone that can, that comes into the store that's bought online, here's a, here, here's a discount. So you create this like ecosystem between them all. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's different strategies. It's the same business, right? But, um, you know, it's understanding the margins, understanding, you know, how people buy, how understanding how the people that probably came into your store liked the seven-year-old gentleman um, that you bought it from and they liked his customer service. They liked his expertise. They liked the story. How do you then tell that online? Um, mm -hmm. you know, and that's your, that's where Sean comes in. Like, you know, now it's Sean, I've taken over this business and, you know, are pivoting in COVID. Um, I just think it's really cool. Um, but like a big passion of mine is definitely 
um, the strategy behind making it all work together. Um, and there's right. a ton of value there. Like, you know, like personalization is really huge right now in e-commerce, uh, whether it's Amazon or email or, um, you know, even cold, call, cold calling, you know, in some ways, like knowing about them. And, um, you know, they have the piece of, um, you know, collecting emails, you're getting like a subscriber list, you know, you've got Facebook groups going, probably things like that. And then mm -hmm. targeting them with direct mail. Um, direct mail is actually coming back, but being very personalized. So um, there's a lot of fun stuff happening between like geo-targeting in a, in a brick and mortar to direct mail to like e-commerce to, um, you know, making it really holistic. And I titled today's episodes from Bricks to Clicks, um, you know, knowing a little bit about your story and how you took over brick and mortar that was 100% like, you know, um, you know, customers coming in, coming into the store, making a purchase. Mm -hmm. And now it's about getting clicks on a website. Um, mm -hmm. you know, but what was, so like, you're starting out, like, you know, you've always been just like hearing your story and this is, this is something very rare, Sean. Um, not a lot of people specifically our age, and I think I'm even a little bit older, but not a lot of people specifically our age, um, just jump into something that they don't know how to do uh and figure it out as they go it's um you know it's something honestly tied to the older generation of being like kind of just self-starters and like jumping in and being like okay i know what i want to do let me jump in and just figure it out and from um you know enterprise to promotional sales to real estate to being an investor yourself um you know to negotiations to like i don't know how to do this i'm just going to send this guy a facebook like this they're just going to send this guy an email shooter shoot you know um you know and then and then figuring it out as you go um you know i love e-commerce because it's kind of the wild west and there's mm -hmm. way less regulation not in a bad way um mm -hmm. you can see it as a bad way or you can see it as an opportunity to dominate because there's no one, you know, just saying, hey, you have to do it like this. Hey, you have to do it like this. Hey, you have to do it like this. And when you said, like, how easy the process was to buy the business, um, you know, because if there's not there's not a ton of loans involved, there's not a ton of massive amount of money, if there's not a lot of liability involved and all those kinds of things it becomes just a lot easier process. Um, I've bought two small e-commerce businesses in the last um, 120 days. Um, nothing doing a 1.5 million, but like, you know, smaller ones. And in my space, they're just kind of like buying these brands and rolling them up. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've built Marknology to essentially be an e-commerce construction company. If that makes sense from photography to SEO, to advertising, to I've launched a warehouse to every single piece that you need when it comes to e-commerce. Um, so you've jumped, so you went from real estate to a traditional brick and mortar business. You're obviously you have to continue running that business, like, you know, mm -hmm. um, because you've got goals in the brick and mortar, but then you're also jumping into e-commerce. Like, did you, did you hire help? Did you just start like taking courses, classes? Did Nigel come with experience in regards to e-commerce? Like, how did you kind of make that leap? Yeah. Um, everything has just been learning as I go. Like he had said, just jumping out of a plane and building the parachute on your way down. Like that's kind of what everything has been from. I, I mean, I bought a duplex after three months of learning about what real estate investing is. I had, I read like two or three books about it and just said, screw it. I'm, I'm just going to buy a house and figure it out. You know, once I buy it, um, same thing with the business. I didn't really know much about it. I just figured I'm going to buy it. I have Nigel with some help and I'm going to figure it out. So with the e-commerce side, the first thing I did was I hired a virtual assistant. I didn't know anything about how to start 
selling virtually. So I, I hired a virtual assistant and he was the first person that started running Google and social media ads for me. Um, and at first I was just taking orders through Instagram. You know, if someone messaged me on Instagram, um, you know, I'd sell them something really just flying by the seat of my pants. And, uh, after about 30 days of doing that, um, you, I found hold up, hold up, hold up one second. Got a couple of questions. Did you launch yeah. the Instagram or did you no, kind of so that? literally posting pictures on my story saying like, Hey, we're selling kits now. All right. So I'll back up a little bit. Um, we can only sell DIY kits. I can't sell or ship you a planted terrarium because in a box, you know, if you, if the, you know, UPS shipper tosses the box, everything inside all the plants, the soil, all the, the decorations going to get messed up. So I can't ship a fully planted terrarium, but I can ship you all the materials, the glass and the plants for you to build it yourself. So that was the first pivot we made is we're going to start doing DIY stuff. Um, so I would be posting on my stories or my page, Hey, we're, we're selling kits now who wants one shipped. And it was really uh, very, um, you know, it was, organic. it were very organic. Yeah. We didn't really have a structure to it. I just wanted to see if people were going to buy stuff and, you know, people was started, that on, was, that, was that on your Instagram or the business's Instagram businesses. So I acquired an Instagram with about 9,000 followers or 8,000 followers. So it had a decent following, but he okay. never really much so i was immediately getting a lot of traction because i was posting every single day hey who wants a kit who wants a kit and uh they started they started to move so that's when i um i started hiring some people to help me update the website then we created a page on the website uh for diy kits where you know our website's through squarespace so we had a way on squarespace where we could start taking in orders and and get the e-commerce side going and um then actually most recently within the last week i had the website completely rebranded by, you know, a, a professional web designer. So now the store is really set up for online sales, um, which I'm really excited about because, you know, I've been going off a very archaic website the past five months. Now we finally have, you know, a, an updated revamped website. So I'm really excited to see what comes from here. But um, yeah, it was, it was very organic, um, slowly one foot at a time we would sell, um, then December came and we were shipping kits like crazy because they're a great holiday gift. And what I didn't even expect this to happen, but it just started happening. Companies were reaching out to me and asking me to do uh, corporate events for them. So, you know, with, um, with COVID, a lot of companies couldn't do end of the year parties or holiday parties or anything like that. Um, so they started reaching out to me, asking me to ship everyone in their business a kit and then hop on zoom and do a live zoom class um, so that got really popular for us over the holiday. So that's really what I'm trying to focus on now, too, from a virtual standpoint is doing these corporate events where instead of shipping one or two kits to a family, now I'm shipping 60, 70, 80 kits out at a time and just doing one big Zoom class. Um, so that's really where, you know, a big opportunity is. So I, I have my biggest event coming up this Friday with with 64 kits and we shipped probably to every state, you know, in the continental U.S. We were shipping everywhere. And um, the logistics behind that stuff, too, because, you know, shipping to New York is a much longer day or transit time than shipping to Oregon. So I had to time everything up uh, where they're all going to arrive on sort of the same day, but we're all going to be ready for our Zoom class on Friday. So the logistics behind shipping is something that I've had to learn as well. A hundred percent. Like uh, logistics is can be where you make or lose your money. Um, mm -hmm. You know, are you charging enough? Are you? Um, you know, timelines, returns, everything happens through there. I think that's why Amazon's been um, such a big win for a lot of people. It's like, you know, if they go through FBA, they take that off their plate. 
Um, mm -hmm. Chicago State Company was a company that I was putting food on Amazon way before there was Whole Foods or anyone was really putting food on Amazon, kind of trying to figure it out. And mm -hmm. Chicago State Company, I'll give them a plug here. Um, when I was really just freelancing on the side, we were figuring out how to ship steaks on dry ice. That's not easy, right? They can't, if they sit outside too long, you're going to like, this could be a $300 purchase um, of right. these premium steaks and things like that. So it was like thinking about they need to be there during the week. It can't be a weekend. It can't be like, you know, outside hours, like, um, you know, just because the return, the return issue, they bought 300, you're paying Amazon for the fee. Then they return it. Like, you know, that can crush your business pretty quickly. Um, mm -hmm. I think, I think shipping plants is genius and the DIY thing makes so much sense. I've never wondered why, um, someone hasn't figured out how to ship plants yet, but I have somebody, I had somebody else on the show. Um, you might even want to check out the episode. I can make an introduction. I'm going to just tell you right now instead of offline, but she's a Kansas city. She came from LA. She was an event planner and her business is absolutely booming as well, but it's mm -hmm. more like floral, floral arrangements. So Flora Bloom, she's been on the show before. Um, it could be an awesome collaboration type of, um, you know, event that you guys do together. Um, or can at least as a very, at the very least have a colleague, a really cool person um, you guys are bouncing ideas off of. Cause she just jumped into this space too, where she's doing the virtual events with her floral arrangements. Um, so those are like more temporary because you're creating something that's then gone. Um, you know, but on the corporate level and, you know, just sharing how, how is she getting them there? And, you know, those mm -hmm. kinds of things. Um, I don't really know anybody else doing what you guys are doing. Um, you know, but I think that's, I think that's really incredible. And I, I have been in the, worked with a couple brands in the DIY space. And I think DIY in general, um, as a category is exploding as well. People like working yeah. with their hands. Um, so that was one of the first, uh, podcast viewers that I listened to. So I actually had a really okay. good with her uh, the other week because I I was listening to that and I was like this is exactly what I'm doing we're in the same world um, so we had a really good conversation the other week and we're, we're definitely going to continue bouncing ideas off of each other um, awesome. but yeah um, the DIY stuff I mean especially with COVID and kind of being in a pandemic you know everyone was locked in had nothing to do so you know for them to be able to do something at home instead of just watching more tv or you know whatever um getting to build something with your hands was a really good opportunity for us and, and that's going to la last for years to come i mean you know everyone talks about the brick and mortar business dying which some of them will but anytime you have an experience behind something you can't replace that with automation you can't replace that with technology um, so, you know, these terrarium building classes that we do, whether in person or from home, you know, that's really going to be um, the biggest way for our company to grow is to continue to, to get this uh, experience based business into the hands of as many people as we can. Um, so it's been it. yeah, as, as a new plant guy myself, like I'm a new homeowner, like the last couple of years and, um, you know, probably have. 15 or 20 in the house and then maybe 15 or 20 in the office and you know i've also got 20 plus airbnbs so buying plants for all of those and um i didn't grow up i grew up in a uh near the equator in africa so like very mm -hmm. jungle type environments and you can't get those kinds of plants in the midwest without spending a lot of money right. um you know but um have really enjoyed like i guess during the pandemic just like you know uh talking to my plants like growing them repotting them um, and you know, for the most part, I'm just, um, learning, just figuring it out because there isn't, um, a resource I'm going to, you know, there isn't like, you know, and I, if I'm a, 
you know, 34 year old white guy, like enjoying plants and trying to figure it out, there's gotta be, you know, even more demand, um, you know, than that. That's like wanting to just understand, like when you talk about clippings and things like that, I'm sure your mom kind of showed you that kind of stuff growing up. Um, but someone like, someone like me wouldn't necessarily understand that. Like, right. I understand like the principles behind it, but I wouldn't know, um, you know, I know how to prune my my plants and things like that, but I wouldn't know how to like, hey, okay, this is the kind of plant that you can take this and make another one. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I see a ton of value there. Just, just uh, you know, opinion of me, but I think it's, um, I think you're onto something really big. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. The way we ship plants is how my mom used to ship me plants. It's, you know, there's nothing special about it, but, you know, we literally just kind of wrap the roots in a damp paper towel and put it in a Ziploc bag and, you know, it'll last like that for, for weeks. So, uh, and then there'd be times where I would be calling up my older brother who is just, you know, a plant scientist. And I'd say, all right, this plant's not looking so healthy. What do I do here? You know, how do I propagate this plant? So, um, yeah, I, I definitely had the, um, the, um, the luck of being able to be, you know, brought up by people that love plants. And I never really got into it until I got a little older and now, you know, I'm kind of obsessed with it. So it worked out really well. Um, and it is like, you who, said, who, who knew they, who knew they would be your business, you know? I know. Right. Yeah. Three years ago when I, or yeah, when I was still living in Philly, if you asked, told me I was going to buy a plant store one day, I would have told you you're crazy, but it's the best thing that I ever done. You know, I've been so happy ever since I've done it. And, um, you know, there's so much opportunity here. Um, so I'm really excited about where we can go and kind of like what you had mentioned earlier about you being a 34 year old white guy, you know, plants are a very unique, uh, industry where we reach everyone. You can be an 88 year old grandmother or a seven year old kid, you know, everyone kind of likes plants. And if you don't, I'm sure you have a mom that likes plants, or I'm sure you have, you know, a partner that likes plants. So even if you don't, you're probably connected with someone that does. Um, so we kind of reach everyone, which is really cool. You know, we do have a specific demographic that we target but i'm always blown away with some of the people that come into the store you never guess you know who is a plant lover and who's not yeah i think what's really cool too is um making you know like the digital world the digital growth digital space gets a lot of flack for all the negative things about social media or like how it's you know isolating humans and like you know all those things but we all know the pros as well um Mm -hmm. but to be in a business where you're using digital or clicks to bring um nature to people you know and more Mm -hmm. of that like you know i think that's really cool um and uh another thing is like i think what a lot of brands or like these these small business um, brick and mortar businesses, what I wish they could understand as someone that's been obsessed about e-commerce for nine years, once I found it, it was just like my thing. I loved it. Um, was you're, you're selling to customers all over. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not just like, okay, I have this, you know, brick and mortar and I got this neighborhood within like, you know, three miles or five miles of like what people are going to go to and drive to. And like, that's my customer segment and that's great. And you can have a successful business just with that. Um, but it it just changes the landscape and your opportunities and your ability to keep your business open and profitable, um, you know, by opening it up to, to the entire nation or, or the world in some ways, depending on what kind of products you're selling. Um, just your chance of success is just so much higher. Um, you know, if you can understand how this e-commerce model works. Yeah, there's so much opportunity there. You know, just uh, just last week, I opened up on Etsy. So I'm trying to get another stream uh, opened up. I wanted to figure things out first at the store. But now we got Etsy rolling. In the next 90 days, I want to get Amazon rolling. 
Um, and, and, you know, from there, there's just so much growth, you know, there's so many opportunities for me to make my shipping more efficient. You know, I'm still figuring things out with how to pack plants correctly, how to ship glass, you know, safely, um, you know, negotiating, uh, shipping rates with UPS and FedEx. So there's so many opportunities for me, uh, with the online platform, but I'm excited about Etsy. I'm definitely excited to get Amazon up and running. And, um, you know, before we could only reach, Portland and greater Portland, you know, if you were able to drive into the store, you know, I just shipped a kit to Boston. I ship kits to Florida all the time. You know, we, we can re- really reach anywhere in the country now. So we give everyone an opportunity to have a plant that, you know, if uh, you give it kind of the right attention and love, it'll last for years. You know, you really don't have to do much with these terrariums. So everyone has an opportunity now, which is awesome. Sean, your story is inspiring and I'm reliving it through you kind of that first, uh, you know, that first, um, excitement that comes with you know owning a business or building a business or growing a business um in e-commerce like i have the, i've had the bug it hasn't gone anywhere um and you know i work with other businesses so um growing my own business but my business helps other businesses grow in, in e-commerce so you know i just i just love it um i love that you've already collected with colleen that's fantastic uh because she is a powerhouse you know i think she's gonna she's gonna do some awesome things too so um we'll definitely have to stay connected i'm i'm going to tag back in we might even need to have you back on the you know back on the show to kind of just see where things have gone you know maybe in a year and um you know see how things have evolved maybe you're opening a shop here in kansas city before too long um you know expanding so um it's been a pleasure having you on the show um thank you so much yeah thanks for having me this has been awesome i really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me yeah, before we go, um, you know, let's tell people where they can find you. Um, I've had your, um, you know, your your website and some of your stuff pulled up here on the screen. But for anyone that's listening or will be listening on the podcast, um, you know, on their drive or things like that, um, where can people find you on Instagram, website? What's the best way to get in contact? Yeah, best way is definitely on Instagram. That's where we do most of our posting and updating. And that's just Roosevelt's PDX. Uh, and our website is RooseveltsPDX.com. Um, so check us out on Instagram. We're trying to, you know, post as much as we can. We've just started doing live uh, or Zoom, uh, excuse me, live Instagram classes and stuff like that. So you'll see us building on Instagram live, which is really fun. So Roosevelt's PDX and Roosevelt's PDX.com. Awesome. You guys should follow along. It's going to be fun to watch Sean kind of build this out um, and really show like if, you know, if anyone's trying to learn, I think the best way is to find someone that's early on doing something um, and then just watch how it grows. You know, for me, that was um gary v like when he took on miracle whip when i saw his his business as an example i saw his business vayner media was working with miracle whip they didn't even have an instagram i saw post number one um you know i see how they're bringing that uh, how they're bringing content to that business how they're building an instagram from scratch like what's their hashtag strategy what are they being funny are they being serious are they being educational um you know so this is a show by founders for founders um you know if anyone's thinking about buying one, um, follow along, follow on and buy a plant, um, you know, give a gift. Uh, we're excited to be along with your journey. I know I for sure will, Sean. So um, like I said, thanks again. And, and the notes uh, in the show notes, we'll have all the links to everything he mentioned. Um, so if you miss that or don't have a chance to write it down, just find us on YouTube, find us on Spotify, um, and you can find uh, Roosevelt's. So awesome, Sean. Uh, hope you have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Andrew. You too, man. 
Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. We do it.